pull up. This episode is a little different, if you couldn't tell. If you're just uh, tuning into the listening version, the audio version, you won't be able to see that I am recording this on my phone as a microphone, my laptop camera as the camera, and I am in a Taco Cat t-shirt in my bed. You might be wondering why. Is that what you're wondering? Yes. So was going to do a regular podcast episode this week when I got snowed in and I was visiting my dad's house and the roads are actually a death sentence. If I wanted to drive on them, this would no longer be the I Almost Died podcast. This would be the I Died podcast and there would be no episodes left. Also, I wonder if I die. Like, who would take over if I die? Like, someone would have to come on here shortly and be like, y'all, <laughs> Ben, he's gone. Like, he, it finally happened, y'all. Like, maybe it was bad juju to name the podcast. I almost died, but he's gone. <clears throat> he's dead. Um, But it led to a little bit of self-reflection. And while I was in my room, snowed in here, I made it. <laughs> I made a discovery. So... When I was a little younger, um, I would like randomly start these projects that were like so big in scale and there were like nothing that I could like really accomplish to the scale I wanted to. How do I put this? I wrote a book. (laughs) I wrote an entire, I think it's 90 page book when I was 14. And that's, and that is this. And so I posted on my story and also tweeted it when I first discovered it. And I was like, y'all will not believe, y'all will not believe what I found. And a lot of y'all wanted to, wanted to hear it. We're curious about what it was. <laughs> this is the most unhinged thing I've ever done in my life. I, I haven't looked in, I haven't read it yet. Because I want it to be like a raw visceral reaction. Oh yeah, if I haven't mentioned already, we are going to be reading this today. Um, don't know how long it's going to take. This might be a two-episode type deal. But I thought, what a better setting. In the childhood bed that I literally wrote this in to read it. We're not going to waste any time, mamas. We have a, we have a journey to begin and I can't wait to begin it with you. Also, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, linked in the description will be the link to b- get it for free on Apple, I think. Listen, I'll, I'll give a little bit more backstory. Um, yes, this is on Apple Books still, I believe. However, um, there, you as you can see, I have a physical copy here. This was never sold in stores, okay? So don't get like too excited like yeah it's a book in my hands but it was never like a thing that was sold in stores uh there was this website called blurb where you could like upload a book and then like buy copies for yourself so that is what i did and basically this whole book is about being a youtuber the first half is like kind of my story up until me being 14 about like how i be like i don't know just making youtube videos and the second half is like a fictional story. I think about a YouTuber. I, I can't remember. I haven't read it in like years. Keep in mind. But I, 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 before we get into it, I just want you to know this came from like a very bitter, dark time of my life where YouTube was something that 
like felt like it was going nowhere. Um, I had zero success. Like my top videos maybe had like 200 views. So I was very bitter about it. Very like I like I want I still wanted it so bad, but I just never thought I would like get to a point where I could actually like make YouTube videos as a thing. So in case we get into like I don't know. I gen I genuinely don't remember what's in here, but let's begin. If you'd like to read along, linked in the description, it's free. Part one on YouTube. By the way, and from this point on, I'm gonna make it as much as an audiobook as possible. So um I might interject. I don't know, probably not. I'll only interject if it's important. Let's begin. <clears throat> Part one on YouTube. So here I am. If this was a vlog, I would have started off with something cheeky like Ben of the Week here or the generic, hey guys, even though 60% of my viewers are females in Russia that are under the age of 18. Then I would probably jump to attempting to visualize what compelled me to start recording. However, my current video format hasn't always been this formatted. Unfortunately, I've been sharing these videos on the internet since 2008. I don't particularly like the word sharing because when I post a video, it's out there and then I immediately regret it and try to disassociate myself from said video as much as possible. My first video was one of me in a nasty family guy shirt screaming, I'm on the interwebs, lols. It was then supplemented by terrible skits and montages of me dancing that were quickly deleted by various record companies. <laughs> At the time, everyone had the dream of becoming a YouTube partner, the mysterious customizable banner, the power to choose your own thumbnails, and mad stacks. When I found out this program existed, I signed up in a jiffy and then notified my other friends with YouTube channels. Every three months, we would apply and get denied, but we were still hopeful. We learned the ropes on YouTube and found out to be pre-Gangnam... Sorry, the grammar. Oh my god. And found out that to be pre-Gangnam Style... Gra oh my god. And found out to be pre-Gangnam Style viral, all you had to do was exploit the search engine system by loading up the tags in your video with totally irrelevant keywords like Kim Kardashian Bootylicious 2009. Next, we would copy and paste those same tags in the description. Then, to top it off, we would fill the title with a plethora of exclamation and question marks. Sometimes... <laughs> oh, sometimes we wouldn't even use a title. It would just say exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This led to my first hit, a terrible parody of Justin Bieber's song, Baby. The title was Bacon, Justin Bieber Parody, and it was at 20,000 views before I took it down to save my sanity. This led to my first hit, a terrible parody of Justin Bieber's song, Baby. The title was Bacon, Justin... Are you kidding? Interjection. Sorry. I fully put the same paragraph twice in this book. And this got printed and everything. Oh my god. Okay, anyways. <laughs> then there was a skit called Am I a Nerd 3, which took off to 30,000 views. The key to this video's success was actually a mistake. The sole reason why this episode took off more than the first or second installment was a result of the third episode showing up in the sidebar for a popular YouTuber, Nerd3. Because of the similar titles, this resulted in mass confusion and a strong 2,000 dislikes. Then I included an image of me reading comments. The comments include, Drew Ritchie said, You deserves a kick in the face. You madbro5537 says, Justin Bieber's not gayer than this. 
FIFA guy 00 said, there is no hope in humanity. Stinger4561 said, you should get off YouTube and go to a men mental hospital. African Kiwi1 said, you are bloody R-worded beyond the call of duty. <laughs> Back to the story. Needless to say, it was not well received. However, it came along with hundreds of subscribers, mostly just on my channel to hate. And I felt famous. It was a good year on the website for everyone. My friend got millions of views from one of his videos, and another became a famed part of the YouTube Partner Program. As much as I envied them, I kept making videos with a potato for a camera and Windows Movie Maker. Interjection. Me literally filming this on my laptop camera. Let's continue. One day I got home after a long day of grade six to see that YouTube had rolled out its new layout. They made the banners and thumbnails available to everyone, which was amazing. However, the big news was that everyone could start making money. Obviously, I signed up and threw a happy fit. I continued to make videos and rolled in a whopping $4 a month. My one childhood dream became a reality and it was amazing. It was the chilly month of October in the terrible year of 2012. <laughs> okay. I was walking home from middle school and was already planning the video I would post since it was a Thursday and that was my upload day. I had a few hours before my parents got home, so I recorded and edited a video talking about an animation I was going to make. Spoiler alert, it would have been terrible. As I logged into YouTube to hit upload and then go watch Glee or some show on my PVR, I noticed that some of my features, like the ability to post videos longer than 10 minutes, was gone. I guess you could say I was too attached to my channel because I immediately began to cry and panic. I was no longer a YouTube partner. I wasn't given an explanation, but I didn't really need one because it was pretty obvious that I had abused the website for too long and Google had enough. In the midst of my fit, I saved the videos and comments and then deleted the whole channel. A full year passed without having to make a new video every week and the free time was terrible. My life was like a housewife who cancels her accounting job to be her municipality's Yankee Candle distributor and drive her kids around to soccer. In theory, it sounded all right, but two weeks in, I had burned through a cesspool of Adam Sandler movies. I resorted to Minecraft like every 13-year-old fetus in history, but that was equally as depressing. I am the type of person who will cry for weeks if my windowsill, if my windowsill cactus dies. Anything resembling a cactus, plants, green objects, or vegetables will trigger me. I was a bit of a wreck and was spiraling into becoming a useless piece of flesh. Finally, in May 2013, I got up off my lazy ass and finally got to work on a new channel. It was originally going to be part of a collab channel where we all link up to where we all link to each other's videos. However, the group consisted of a stoner, a kid with daddy issues, and another kid who eventually screwed me over. See page 139. Just kidding. There's no page 139. So, with everyone else bail with everyone else bailing out and being unmotivated 8th graders, I continued making them and occasionally featured friends from my school in my videos. The same year as the channel had started, I heard of a multi-channel network called Maker Studios. They offered YouTube partnerships, but not through YouTube. It was August and Katy Perry's song Roar had just been released. I listened to the song and decided it was a good parody quality, so I dusted off my old notebook and started writing. Within an hour, I had a parody where Roar was replaced by Snore, and I released it a few days before I went to camp. As my mom was driving me to camp, which turned out to be hell, the views started going up by 100 by the hour. 
When I got to camp, I had to give up my phone and all I could think about was how many it would be at when I got back. After a week of camp, which turned out to be extremely God-centered, my mom picked me up and told me the video was at 20,000 views. I was equally happy to have gotten out of none hell, but also happy that I qualified for a Maker Studios partnership. I quickly applied and, of course, didn't hear anything for weeks. My mom and I were in San Diego when I got a letter from Maker saying that I was accepted. I was so ecstatic that I ran right out of our hotel room and bought a box of white cheddar Cheez-Its accompanied by a can of spray cheese. It was a real treat because these magnificent beans don't exist in Canada. For some context, um, there was companies that would give you like the YouTube partnership where you didn't have to go through YouTube. So they would give you all the benefits of being a YouTube partner. Like they would pay you. You could have your own like thumbnails. Like now if you upload a YouTube video, anyone can like make your own picture for the thumbnail. But that used to not be a thing. You have you used to have to like go through one, like one of these companies. But continuing along. With them on my side, I kept making videos and made a little spending money. I produced a little series based off of web comics and it was absolutely horrendous. I try not to think about it too much. All I will say is that slave labor does not equal good quality. Interjection did not actually use slave labor. Just didn't pay my friends for being in the video, but in retrospect, maybe that is slave labor. Anyways, the series, however, kind of ruined the tone I was going for with my channel. For some reason, people called my videos films which was cringeworthy because my videos are simply video files, nothing artsy. It also made my mom think that I had such an interest in filmmaking and being a director. Not to be a contrarian, but I absolutely hate these lifestyles and find no interest in making films or movies. <laughs> Ultimately, I make videos, not films or movies, videos. They can be as dumb and plain as me eating cereal or a video of my dog. As an ENFP personality, I do it because I like being in front of an audience and have a colossal ego. <laughs> I use it as a social media, not as a way to be an indie director. Sorry, mom. This cliche book will serve as a vague tutorial on how to become a successful YouTuber. Yes, you. You can become an internet superstar. Just follow tips from me, an, irre an irrelevant YouTuber who wrote this very book that you're reading as a joke. Sort of. Enjoy. Oh yeah, from this point on, this is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental. And if you actually follow this advice expecting it to work, you are no better than those soccer moms who ask for white cheese instead of mozzarella at Subway. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Part two, ego. <laughs> it takes a certain amount of boredom mixed with a dash of pleasure from being in the spotlight to become a YouTuber. Now, this isn't the standard for all people on YouTube. There are people who don't reveal their identity and still have fun. However, many people join YouTube for a quick rise to fame. Well, this is how. 
And in Comic Sans, it says, You can't. <laughs> Sorry, but it's almost impossible. There are only a handful of YouTubers who are taken seriously by mainstream media. Honestly, 1,000 subscribers is lucky, but you might not even need that much. The truth is just 100 subscribers and a handful of fans is enough to satisfy your ever-hungry ego. That doesn't mean you should or shouldn't stop putting yourself out there once things slow down. The beauty of it is you can take it at your own pace. If you ever feel discouraged about your channel underperforming, you're probably doing better than everyone else. The average channel is about 10 subscribers, so if you're past that, great job. If you're still under 10, you'll be there eventually. Jesus Christ, you must be uninteresting. <laughs> YouTube often likes to sugarcoat the fact that you probably won't have fans by saying something like, being yourself will bring in loyal fans. Not to be shady, but YouTube is literally made of plastic. Now, at this point in the book, you must be thinking, boy, he sure is butthurt about his channel. I used to be, but not anymore. I found a good equilibrium of subscribers and a healthy-sized ego. What? Okay. Each chapter in this book will have a checklist of what you need to accomplish in order to fulfill each category. Here is the checklist for ego. I am not satisfied with my social life and friends in reality. I have way too much time on my hands and spend it watching other YouTubers. I am shy in real life, but secretly want to be famous. I have spent more conscious time on the internet than in real life. I have at least 10 social media accounts. I see popular YouTubers and get sad. I am and know I am better than everyone else. If you scored four or more, you qualify for the egotistical requirements associated with being a YouTuber. You are on a great start to learning about how to be a successful YouTuber. If you scored three or less, you are a sane and secure person who should get off the internet now. Go run in a field of tulips or something. For those who, for those of you who qualify, grab your video recording device and your MacBook. Yes, a MacBook. There's literally not a single vlogger on this earth who doesn't own a goddamn MacBook. Before you record, think of what exactly you're going to record. Savor the moment of pondering over what the topic will be because very soon YouTube will lose all fun and meaning. Great, now you have an idea on what you're going to do. Is it a rant? A poem? Loser? A hate speech towards minions? Or even an OTP fanfic about Cheez-Its and Easy Cheese? Whatever the motive you have, the first step down pat. Look at you, you little Zoella or baby pudes. Equipment. Equipment may very well be the most important category to possess skills in for the art of YouTubing. It can make or break your success within a matter of videos. To begin this formal essay, the most important variable is, of course, hair. You can't seriously expect, of, expect to catch on without some form of styled hair. If you're a male vlogger, the typical thing to do is comb it over to one side, or if you're feeling adventurous and snotty, try a man bun. Now, if you're a female vlogger, die, die, die. Like, die. Interjection, D-Y-E. If the Little Mermaid lived in our age and was real, she would be a YouTube sensation. If dying isn't your thing, I'm afraid you're going to have to grow your hair out to your feet. Also, if you're a guy and are bald, you may as well deactivate now. Let it be known that the second a strand of facial hair is shown, you'll be shunned from the YouTube community then and there. No explanations, just stop. The one exception from this harsh but necessary rule is epic mealtime. You folks are fine. Please continue preparing copious amounts of bacon. The first step of having luxuriously exquisite hair is to plan what you want. 
Say you want the super smexy comb over look or any other hairstyle, you're gonna need a smack ton of product. There are no substitutes or shortcuts to looking fantastic, so you will have to gather the product that every great YouTuber uses. And then I made a little fake whale blubber bottle. Cause I'm so quirky. Whale blubber not only lasts for weeks, but is also durable and gives your hair a glamorous shine. This graphic is of course a dramatization. Whale blubber loses its optimum performance quality as soon as it's taken out of the sodium rich ocean water. Therefore, it cannot be bottled, only applied in the ocean. To get your hair perfect, you must find a male sperm whale weighing in at exactly 47 pounds. It must be this weight or your hair will be sad forever. Once you have located the whale, you must quickly pray to the god of ocean mammals and ask for forgiveness and solitude. Quickly, finish up the prayer with a brief cry and then descend on the whale. You must allow the whale to swallow you whole for the process to begin. Once inside the whale, you have very little time, so you must quickly bite into the sperm whale's epidermis layer. Take your pinky finger and scoop out a pea-sized drop of the blubber and apply to your hair, directing the strands as you feel necessary. Unfortunately, the whale will bleed out and eventually die, but you must remember, you cannot put a price on YouTube fame. Next, you must make sure that you are at least eight feet tall. This is a must in the YouTube business, and without it, your channel may fail. If you are under eight feet tall, the simple solution is to fly to China and, and have height surgery. All they do is snap both of your legs and femur bones and fill them with concrete. It's a simple process and only costs 84,000 yuan. It may seem strange that you have to do, be this height, but... You must. The third key ingredient is being British. Studies show that being British on YouTube will bring you trillions of subscribers. Do not try to fake the accent or do the British retaliation agency against accents that idolize shit ham. Bradish. They will send some of its best men to find you and cut your tongue out. Oh, it's real. The Bradish does not take these offenses lightly. The one solution to correcting this deficit is to get a one-way ticket to London and live amongst the common folk for 30 years. After that exact amount of time, you will finally be a Brit. Now for physical recording equipment, since half the people who will be watching your videos will be watching them on an iPhone, quality literally doesn't matter at all. You're going to need a Nintendo 3DS to record your, to show your audience how carefree you really are. You don't need more than five pixels in the entire video file. You don't care. You're going to film that vlog and then go do modeling or something. Now, to hoist the magnificent camera up, go outside. Feel the crisp breeze of a fall afternoon on your skin. Prance over to an evergreen forest. Listen to the birds. They are singing for you. Pick up three of the strongest and most respected twigs in the forest community and bring them back to your home. Assemble them in a teepee fashion and place a 3DS on it. As you record, you will feel the wind and spirit of the forest praise you and give you energy as you create your vlog. Or just put the 3DS on the table, I guess. A carefree you comes with a carefree lifestyle. Since you will be making most of your videos in a bedroom, even when you have millions of dollars, you have to make sure your room represents you. Your bedroom can't be your actual bedroom, however. It has to be your internet bedroom. The usual suspects often consist of gray sheets and pillowcases, gray walls, and a funky Ikea lamp. This whole unit leads back to the hair aspect. If you chose a comb over, you must assemble your room neatly. The difficulty arises if you did not pick something neat but rather messy. You must follow your hair and make your room messy too if this is your decision. 
You cannot simply throw everything around and mess everything up by hand. You have to go to greater measures for a properly performing channel. Go to your travel website of choice and book a round trip to Switzerland. No specific city, just Switzerland. Once you've arrived in just Switzerland, attempt to locate yourself on a map and find the nearest road. When you've found civilization, book a day trip to the CERN Particle Accelerator on the closest Friday the 13th. You may be wondering, Friday the 13th isn't for another four months. Good, this will give you plenty of time to train for the heist. Run eight miles daily and eat raw kale to activate your muscles for the heist. Once Friday the 13th comes around, hop on the tour bus, read Eat, Pray, Love on the six and a half hour bus ride to kill time for the heist. When you arrive at CERN, stop by the cafeteria and pick up a tuna sandwich. It will be a mentally and physically strenuous day on the heist. Join the tour guide as they take you through CERN's inner workings until approximately 12 minutes and 44 seconds into the tour. At this time, you must begin the heist. Jump into the conveniently placed janitor's closet. It will have a hatch that leads to a staircase that bypasses the hydrogen cooling unit that flows from the hydrolipid lab into the particle accelerator tube itself. It may be a while until they fire off the atoms to sit down. So finish off it, off chapter four of Eat, Pray, Love and snack on that sandwich from the cafeteria. Proactivity always pays off. When you hear the machine starting up and the significant lack of oxygen, stand up and start walking along the tube. After a couple of good strides, bring the pace up to a solid jog. Keep going. YouTube needs you. After 10 seconds, bring it up to a full-on sprint. The particles will, f will fire and you must run along them, never breaking pace. Once you are at the speed of light, catch up to one of the particles, run with it until you can see the other particle in line with yours. Right before they smash together, do a somersault and catch them in midair. Then the particles in your carry-on luggage then put the particles in your carry-on luggage and fly home. Check luggage is too damn expensive. When you are back at home in your internet room, take the two particles and make them kiss. There's a picture of two atoms kissing that I drew. This kiss will create a seismic event in your room, sending pillows flying, tussling sheets, and short-circuiting lamps. You will now have the equipment. With the six components, you will be ready to make the YouTubes by storm. Now for the checklist time. I am British. I'm eight feet tall. I have good hair. I stole two CERN particles and made them kiss. I have a 3DS. I also hate myself. The force sings to me. I sing back. They support me in all my endeavors and listen to all my videos. I have a tripod. If you scored five or more on this checklist, you've successfully passed this unit. You have the tools. Now let's put them in place. I'm going to make an interjection real quick. Oh my God. Was I on crack? Was I on crack? This is, this is like, this is literally a long version of like one of my TikToks now, like genuinely. Um, and just to give the little primer, this is supposed to be like satire, like a satirical self-help book on like how to start YouTube. Okay. Let's continue. Planning. Trying to come up with a video idea is like that one scene from Harry Potter where Dumbledore rips a memory out of his brain. It especially sucks when you are a talentless gourd like me. Thankfully, this unit is one of the less necessary ones. Since people don't actually give two orangutans, you can fill a five-minute video with eternal screams from hell if you want. That is what's great about YouTube. Either way, you should have some game plan for when you hit the record button. There are many ways of getting the creative juices flowing to prepare for a video. 
Some YouTubers will flare up their nostrils and then dive into a pile of cocaine, where some will find that cozying up with a good book next to a tranquil beach is more effective. Either way, there's one proven method to successfully plan a stunning video. You're going to need a few knickknacks, a great attitude, and also a spleen. Starting with the knickknacks, try to gather four screws, a 6x7 piece of plywood, and a 17th century cannon. You can find a cannon by scouring the bottom of the ocean or eBay. Go ahead and load your cannon with your choice of cannonballs and aim it at the piece of plywood. Light the fuse and fire the cannonball at the plywood. You may want to do this outside, but it is not required. If done correctly, you should have obliterated the plywood into smithereens, into the smithereens it was formed from. As soon as the cannon is fired, pick up all the pieces and reassemble the plywood exactly as it was before. Here's a diagram. There's the plywood. Then it's blown up in stage two. And then stage three, it's put back together. As you reassemble it, think of why you're doing this. You are making a statement that only you can see. You're paving the way for new innovations and advancements in technology and humanity. Also, it's just to be redundant like the very platform of YouTube is. This is your board. It's now ready for the stationery and ideas to be poured over it. This is where the nails, spleen, and great attitude come in. Take your great attitude and fire another cannonball at it. Are you kidding me? It's 2015. What are you doing with a great attitude? The world is destined to collide with the Andromeda galaxy, and Donald Trump has a damn good chance of becoming president. Everything is dull and hell is empty. Now back to the nails and spleen. The textures of the spleen membrane is enough to get a parchment spo blogger to have an extreme bowel movement. Look around your house for a dull knife and flay the spleen to maximize surface area. Remove everything inside the spleen so that you just have the outer membrane. Lay out the spleen membrane across your board of redundancy and nail it in on each corner so that it is fastened in and will not budge when writing down a killer video idea. You have the tools. Now, come up with the idea. You can't think of anything? That nice tranquil beach is still available. I heard the sand is made up of failed Kindle fires crushed up to form a powder. It's a metaphor for all the art you will soon create in your video. As you dig your toes into the literal loss of words, you feel the, en feel the ideas come flow into your mind like Hurricane Joaquin flowing into the East Coast. Too soon? Time for a recap. Can you remember the key ingredients and methods to brainstorming an idea? Here we go. I have a readily available spleen. I can flawlessly disassemble and reassemble plywood for no reason at all. Nails. And not those ones on your finger, silly. A cannon that originated from HMS Real Ship, I promise. And Kindle Fire Beach and Sadness. If you scored four or more, you can get started on your idea without the use of control sub controlled substances that may or may not be used by one Charlie Sheen. Connections. The one attribute that successful creators and drug lords share in common is connections. They won't make or break your channel, but they sure as heck will help. Unless the connections are actually drug lords, you are in deep if your connections are drug lords. Building connections for collaborations on YouTube can be scary at first, so you have to approach it like someone who has friendship issues. Here's a drawing of someone who has friendship issues. Please like me. I'm lonely. I cry. Let's get connected. The one attribute that successful creators... Oh, I literally just read that. Sorry. As you can see, MS Paint is a great program, but not as great as Carrier Pigeons. Yes, you heard it here. 
Carrier pigeons are my secret to making connections across the platform. You will need to spend a year as an artisanal pigeon capturer, preferably in the city of Detroit. Not every pigeon will do, however, though. Pigeons only have a positive effect on your channel if they contain at least 40 milligrams of plastic microbeads lodged in the digestive system. This will help weigh down the pigeons while they are captive in your residence so they can't escape. Once you've captured 40,000 pigeons, return to your home and FedEx the pigeons to your doorstep. It's really convenient. As you sit in your home filled to the brim with Detroiter pigeons, brainstorm who you want to attract and collaborate with on YouTube. On YouTube, there are many niches and channels for those niches. A great target audience to start with is tutorial YouTubers. They are weak. They can be coaxed into collaborating with anyone. If Kim Jong-un had a channel, there would be a tutorial YouTuber with him making a video titled How to Nuke America. When you're ready, go on the deep web and hire one of Edward Snowden's cousins. They will all probably work. Tell them to bring the addresses of 5,000 tutorial YouTubers. As you wait for his or her response, you will need to be proactive and prime your pigeons. Go to Amazon.com and order 500 boxes of Belvita digestive crackers. The ideal shipping method is Amazon Prime, as you will need the laxative, laxatives fast. When the crackers come in one to three business days, unpack all the crackers and mix them with water to make a sort of mush. Replace the pigeon's water with the mush, and soon they will have purged their body of all microbeads through explosive diarrhea. Look at you, saving the environment and making connections at the same time. Whisper the addresses of each of the tutorial YouTubers in Latin to each pigeon, and then send them off. It can be sad to see your children leave you, and also a cease and desist letter from Animal Control. So I recommend you buy more pigeons to fill the void. Never stop. Buy as many as you can until they eat your flesh right off your skin from mal malnutrition. You've lost all will to do anything and enjoy your last, last task of providing the pigeons with a meal. You will never get a response to collaborate. It was all a gimmick. This whole book is a gimmick. You spend two Canadian dollars on a taste of reality that you did not like. No matter how many quizzes you pass, you will never become a YouTuber. Sit back and let the pigeons feast. An alternative is to put an ad on Craigslist. Quiz time. I know at least 5,000 tutorial YouTubers. I have access to Peruvian drug lords. I have pigeons. And I have a subscription to Amazon Prime. If you scored three or more, you almost have all the requirements to become a YouTuber. Go get him, sailor. Before we get into part three, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back. Part three. Lies. The backbone of this part is lies. The format for these following chapters will take a fictional exemplar format. Bask in the truth. The air's warm. Fresh and secure. You're an intern at the YouTube headquarters. It has been a few slow weeks since you got accepted and moved to the headquarters in California. You wanted to work on the website because you loved the feeling of living in California. The Canadian weather froze your bones to the marrow. So when you got your first taste of SoCal weather, you couldn't go back. You live in a narrow but long Japanese style apartment with adobe walls and a clay shingle roof. Your family thought it was too small and you should have bought a house with your trust fund. However, you like that it's cozy and it has a nice view of the arid mountains. Every morning you wake up and watch cartoons to calm you and get you zen for the upcoming day. 
You drive to your internship in your 2008 Toyota Camry every morning at 8.05 a.m. so that you can arrive at 8.30 a.m. You stop at Carl's Jr. and indulge in the newfound American culture. As you pull up to the order menu, they greet you with the default, welcome to Carl's J. You cut them off because your morning is very time sensitive. You retort with, I'll have a coffee, poured into your deep fryer, and then carefully gathered and poured back into the cup. Your morning ritual started with a deep fried coffee resulting from an employee accident, and you've decided not to question it and continue it. With your impossibly deep fried coffee half finished, you pull into the YouTube parkade. You say goodbye to your dashboard cactus and carry your empty deep fried coffee into the office. Scanning from the lobby, you look for a garbage can to throw away your coffee carcass and proceed to the elevator. The intern lockers and lounge is on the second floor so that you can access all the floors to address the needs of the actual employees with ease. You're strictly prohibited from drinking coffee while you're supposed to be serving coffee, so you were very proactive by throwing your deep fried coffee in the lobby. Your first set of duties is to gather all of the finished paperwork from all of the employees on the third and fourth floors and give it to the shipping and receiving department in the basement. It is long and tedious, but you know what? But you know that you are a vital part of the company and it wouldn't be able to run without you. Pulling the card of paperwork at your heel, you head down to the parkade. It is close to the shipping and receiving department, so you always stop at your car to grab a piece of gum to get rid of your bitter coffee breath. For some reason, you never remember to take it with you. After popping a piece of bubble mint gum into your mouth, you close your car door and lock it. Your car gives a cute beep, and you take your cart back to the elevator. You're minding your own business when you hear a door slam to the left of you, followed by a dark figure running off behind the parked vehicles. You let it simmer in your consciousness for a moment and ponder if you should investigate it, but eventually write it off and continue with the papers. There's a faint hum that slowly increases until you feel your arm being yanked by the cart, and suddenly, you're on the ground. Some asshole just hit you with his car! The papers are scattered everywhere, and the wire trolley crushed. Every person you've met so far has been so kind and laid back, so you're in a state of belief that someone was in such a rush that they would almost run over a fellow colleague. You tried to see the van's license plate as it sped away, but you had blurred vision and an extreme headache, which impaired you. You work too damn hard to get this internship, and you aren't going to let this ruin it. Starting from where you were hit, you systematically pick up each paper and occasionally dry the most, the moist ones. After a couple of minutes, you have collected all of the papers and have them in a neat pile in your arms. A slight breeze blows the top paper off the pile and down to the parkade. You contemplate leaving it be, but your perfectionistic attitude makes you go back and get it. The wind is blowing it as fast as you are running until it gets stuck under a maintenance door that is not fully shut. Just as you approach it, the paper is sucked under by the breeze. The wind must have come from the door. The door is painted burgundy and has the remains of the word maintenance. The letters that are left spell mana. Suddenly the door slams shut from the breeze. You try to open it again, but it is locked and will need a key. Since there's nothing else you can do, you head to shipping and receive shipping and receiving and drop off the papers. Hopefully the stray one wasn't important. The rest of the day drags on incredibly slow and you spend most of it sitting in the intern lounge. You can't help wondering who was the person that almost killed you. The uncertainty brings you to head to human resources to file a workplace complaint. If it wasn't this unsettling, you would let it slide. However, this erratic driver could have actually hit you or someone else, and they're still on the loose. 
Since the workday is pretty much finished, you gather up your things as you will head to the car after you talk to someone. The door to human resources is warm and welcoming with pictures of cats on it. I guess that's what you can expect when you intern at YouTube, famous for cat videos. The first glimpse of the room surprises you as it's much larger than you expected. There is a bright-eyed secretary who greets you. You explain to her the predicament. She gives a a surprised face and cheap sympathy and then points you toward the office's psychiatrist. The floor is marked with the play symbol pointing to Dr. YouTube's office. You think it's pretty silly and probably unethical to name the one psychiatrist of your workforce after the company itself. As you approach the door, Mr. YouTube opens it from the other side for you. He looks over 70 years old and has the resemblance of Bernie Sanders. He welcomes you into his humble abode and you follow him in. The leather chair you sit down in is stiff and uncomfortable, so you try to make the conversation quick. After explaining what happened, he startles you by standing up quickly. His face startles as well. Dr. YouTube apologizes and jolts out of the room, slamming the door. Did what you say trigger him? You timidly gather your stuff and walk to the elevator. There's a trail of debris from where Dr. YouTube ran out. Vases are knocked over and shoe marks pressed on the floor. You carefully waltz past the debris and hop into the elevator. Someone has already pressed the parkade button, so you find a corner in the industrial-sized elevator that is packed wall-to-wall. No one gets off at the third or second floor. A few leave at the lobby, but it's still crowded and unpleasant. When the doors open at the parkade, employees and interns spill out and systematically find their cars amongst the chaos. As an intern, you have to park at the far end of the parkade by the entrance. Personally, you like your parking space because if you sprint to your car, you can get out first and avoid the traffic. As you're sprinting, the same van that almost killed you speeds past you. The wind pushes you to the side and for a moment, you catch a glimpse of the driver. Dr. YouTube. That was why he bolted out of his office. He knows he almost killed you. Alarmingly, a slam is is loud behind you. You do a quick 180 and see that it is from the door that stole your paper yesterday. It is now wide open with a dim light on. You're going to grab the paper and leave. None of this horror movie bullshit. You quickly jolt in and locate the paper. It's stuck on a barbed wire fence surrounding a boiler. The room makes an L shape with the boiler in the far corner. You stack a few wooden pallets, climb on top of them, and carefully unhook the paper. With the last paper retrieved, you hop down and head to the door, but there's no door. It is a concrete wall with an empty shelf in front of it. It's impossible that the door could just disappear. You must be hallucinating from the car fumes in the parkade or something. Holding your eyes, you count to 12 and then open them. The wall is still there and you start to panic. Every other worry seems obsolete and you question your mortality. You literally just witnessed the change of matter in front of you, in front of your eyes. It has been such a bizarre day and you declare in your mind that you are quitting this internship. You check your pocket for your phone, but it's missing. Your shoulders feel at ease because your backpack is gone too. All you have is the paper that you went in to grab. While scoping out the room for an exit, you find a surprising amount of dust near the boiler. As you look carefully at the wall behind the boiler, you see that it's slowly moving in towards the boiler, shrinking the room. 
As it approaches the back fence of the boiler, the fence passes through the wall like butter instead of crushing it. You try to push your hand through the wall, but it's firm. Now this is messing with physics. The moving wall has now completely consumed the boiler section of the room and shaped the room from an L into an I. Quickly scavenging the room for tools, you retrieve a shovel. You do some tests to see if there's anything that could stop this wall. It has now eaten half of the room, and you have thrown chairs and tables into the wall, only to have fluid, the fluid-like structure eat it. With only a couple of feet of room left, you sit on the ground with a couple bags of palm tree leaves. It spills open, and to your surprise, the wall is pushing the leaves. Why is this different than every other attempt? You quickly tear down the bags and pour the various plant matter across the floor. Maybe biological matter can't go through the wall. There's a bag of palm tree stumps as well, and you place them across the floor. The wall hits the stump and then stops moving. Was that really all it took? You have a foot-wide crevice with walls on each side. There's no escape from this. All that is left is some palm tree leaves, ironically one of the reasons you moved to California, and the sheet of paper that's going to be the death of you. You may as well read it. It is titled, An Introduction to Witch Sigils. Do the YouTube employees really have nothing better to do? There's a brief history on witches and then a two-step instruction manual. The first step tells you to make an intricate marking on the floor that symbolizes what you want most, then a chant that seems to be in Latin. Since this is your best bet, you draw a symbol of your apartment and feel a bit less scared. You then begin the chant, on the and on the final word, your vision blurs to nothing but white. You feel as if you have six more limbs and can move each one perfectly. You feel an intense and unbearable heat all over, and then you can see your house from the sun. You are standing on the sun with eight arms and are looking down at the pale blue dot that is the earth. It is just a dot, but somehow you can see every single shingle on your roof. You begin to have the sensation of falling extremely fast. The sun is now a small circle, and you are hovering about ten feet above your house. You fall for real this time onto the lawn, landing on your fingers. You feel and hear a snap in your index finger on your left hand, and your pinky finger in your right hand. You don't know why, how or why, but you're home. A million plans flash in your mind of what to do, of what the hell just happened, but you decide on one. You're going to go to sleep, and it'll be gone by morning. It's 5.53 p.m., so you take a couple of anaphernal pills and go to sleep. As you drift off, you notice your hands are shaking so much it is hitting you in the face. You put them under your pillow and place your head on them and fall into unconsciousness. <clears throat> what? I'm genuinely blown away. What? <laughs> it, this is so insane to me. I genuinely like don't. Re I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't remember like writing this part. I think I like must have went into like a psychosis and just continuously wrote for like. Oh, like what is going on? <laughs> We're halfway, y'all. Um, I'm gonna have to split this episode into two parts so next week we will finish the book um if you want to read it and see what happens if you can't wait that will be linked in the description um it'll be the apple books 
link, um, but it's free on Apple Books. But I think I'll also try and upload it to Wattpad, so you'll see in the description if I figure it out. Um, we'll fully dive into it once we finish it next episode, but, like, oh my god. What? It's <laughs> a lot to unpack. Um, I'm gonna... I'm gonna, I'm gonna go process this. I will see you all next week. Love our little book club. This is very exciting. Okay, I love you all so much. See you soon. Bye. Better the week, it's two.